Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to the special five-part series on the on adventures in compliance. One of my favorite authors is A. Conan Doyle, and I love the Sherlock Holmes stories. I see lots of lessons for the compliance practitioners in these stories. So I'm going to explore these over the next five days. I'm going to take a look at five stories and use those as introductions into a compliance or compliance-related topic. I know you will enjoy this podcast series. First, a word from our sponsor, the Compliance Masterclass. I'm pleased to announce a two-day Compliance Masterclass, which is unlike any other compliance class currently being offered. This session will be held in New York City on November 12 and 13. It will be hosted by Jonathan Marks and Baker and Tilly. The Compliance Masterclass is not a theoretical or analytical presentation of the FCPA. The focus of the Compliance Masterclass is on the operationalization of compliance. For it is only in the doing of compliance that companies have a real chance for avoiding FCPA liability. The Compliance Masterclass provides a unique opportunity for any level of compliance practitioners from the seasoned CCO to the compliance practitioner new to the profession. If you are looking for a training class to turbocharge your knowledge on the nuts and bolts of a best practice compliance program, this is the class for you to attend. For more information, check out my website, www fcpacompliancereport.com or email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. This podcast series on adventures and compliance is a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. If Sherlock Holmes ever got his own reality TV show, we might think he might go for something like a Judge Judy Foreman. Holmes is pretty much doing a sort of TV judge routine in his own living room. He enjoys having people come tell him their life stories. He tends to show off his intellect. He likes surprising people and even causing the occasional near heart attack. And he is a big fan of dramatic statements, revelations, and judgments. Holmes really likes only having people around when he is in all-out dinner theater mode and is ready to sum up the case for everyone. Justice and judgment are closely linked for Holmes since they are both very final. Holmes prizes his own judgment and reasoning above all else. He also prizes his own code of ethics and understandings of justice and sometimes above the actual law. In fact, sometimes Holmes wraps up cases as if he is the law. This brings up today's topic, institutional justice. The Adventure of the Abbey Grange In the story, Holmes feels that something is just not right about the story told by Lady Mary Brackenstall regarding the death of her stepfather, Sir Eustace Brackenstall. Holmes' largest concern turns on the contents of three wine glasses, one of which contains bee's wing, and the other two do not. It turns out that Sir Eustace was killed by a companion of Lady Mary, whom Holmes uncovers. However, Holmes has an adaptability for justice when the situation demands it, stating, Once or twice in my career I feel I have done more harm by my discovery of the criminal than he had ever done by his crime. Satisfied the actions of the criminal and the accomplice, Lady Mary, were both warranted and just, Holmes does not report his findings to the local police. As his sympathies may have been overridden his judgment, as many scholars believe that Holmes let himself be fooled by a villainous cleverer than he credited. The story illustrates a key point for every CCO and compliance practitioner, which is institutional justice. As a CCO, how can you work towards achieving this? One of the ways to ensure institutional justice is through the fair process doctrine. The concept is so important and so universal that it permeates many facets of the workplace today, specifically including the realm of anti-corruption compliance. 
The Fair Process Doctrine mandates that every hotline complaint should be treated with dignity and respect, with an efficient and thorough vetting. From there, if discipline is warranted, the company should follow a prescribed process. Follow that process, and an employee will almost always uphold a company's decision. Fail to follow the process that the employee would be required to engage in remedial action. Institutional justice is a primary factor as to whether employees will come forward with a concern. Management trying might try a quick-fix reaction to a messy investigation with more reporting mechanisms, posters, or even a chief executive officer to use compliance training to generally get the word out. Employees view it as a trust issue, and you must garner that trust through providing institutional justice. If employees choose not to report on an outside source and an outside source later discovers misconduct, the organization will certainly be subject to potential financial losses and reputational damage that could have been avoided. If the employee does report, but you have a culture of trust which is lacking or they face retaliation up to and including termination, then you will have a disgruntled employee who is most likely to go to the Securities and Exchange Commission under both Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank. However, this concept is now part of a broader concept of institutional justice. Companies that seem to get into the most trouble are those that lack this basic concept. It means more than simply fair and equitable treatment. It requires employees' concerns once raised to be listened to and addressed, all without fear of retaliation. Wells Fargo is but one example. At the company, there were many former whistleblowers who alleged they were terminated for raising concerns internally that fraudulent account opening schemes were in violation of the company's code of conduct or even illegal. Such whistleblowers alleged they were singled out for unfair and discriminatory treatment for speaking up or even trying to speak up. Others alleged they were told to meet their sales quotas by any means necessary with a wink and a nod on how to do so. Finally, employees who failed to meet unreasonable quotas were sanctioned through wage loss or discipline up to termination. Companies must must have an absolute prohibition against retaliation. If not, any sense of institutional justice will be destroyed. When an employee is mistreated for following the organization's reporting policy, it will sustain severe damage to its credibility and viability as safe and secure mechanisms. The damage from mismanagement and reprisals is memorialized on the Internet and court records or public documents, creating a devastating silent do-not-report culture. Companies must communicate they have a zero tolerance for retaliation and deal with any retaliation swiftly and publicly. A final problem of inconsistent outcomes is that companies must demonstrate that consistent and fair outcomes are routine regardless of people, relationships, or scenarios. Employees will learn through the grapevine if an organization delivers fair, consistent discipline regardless of how confidentiality an organization uses to hide such outcomes. Of course, if employees view outcomes as fair, they will be more compelled to report concerns. Employees know that inconsistency equals personal risk. Both the fair process doctrine and the more recent concept of institutional justice are central to the modern compliance profession. The compliance profession must remind companies that even if they engage in action, they should not always do so. Sometimes the reputational damage, even if an action is legal, is so great that risk cannot be managed. The compliance discipline within every company is one the corporate function most well suited to bringing institutional justice into the fabric of an organization. I hope you've enjoyed this exploration of institutional justice in the context of the adventures of the Abbey Grange, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode where we look at the priori school and criminality.
This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to Adventures in Compliance. I hope you'll join us again for the next episode. If you have any questions about the concepts I've raised in this episode, I hope you will email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you are listening to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would leave a review of this podcast as it would help get the word out about this series and the broader Compliance Podcast Network. Adventures in Compliance has been a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.